the promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC 97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Three minutes after 12, kudos to Eric. Did I really just say, I don't want to oversell Mystery Hour, but it is the most informative, entertaining and amusing hour of radio you will ever hear anywhere in the world ever. And Eric quite rightly points out in a text to 84850, I'm glad you didn't oversell it, James. Yes, touche. The way it works is this. You're probably familiar uh, with the newspaper features, the newspaper columns, where readers write in with a, with a mystery, a question that has got them puzzled. It can be anything, really, from the, from the banal to the incredibly brainy. It could be a question. We've had quite a few lately that have demanded really quite high levels of qualification and education to answer but equally we, we we also get a few every now and then which are at the opposite end of the intellectual scale for example my one of my all-time favorites was why, why, why do we only wear a bicycle clip on one leg james but i digress slightly the point i'm trying to make is that anything goes during this hour of radio if you've got a question to which you want to find an answer then if it is neither dull nor repetitive by which i simply mean we can remember dealing with it recently then I want you to feel welcome, and I want you to accept that welcome by picking up your phone and dialing 0845 uh, It could be a who, it could be something the kids have asked you during the school holidays, and, and every week they remember, and you've failed thus far completely to find the answer that you need, and your children are, are still hopefully labouring under the illusion that you know everything. Mine are. And, and the realisation, inevitable though it may be, should be postponed for as long as possible. You want your fallibility to be camouflaged, protected, kept quiet for the longest time. So if you've got a who, a why, a what, a where, a when, a whither, a whence, even possibly a wherefore, art thou, then the number you need is this, 08456060973. Historically, it's a remarkably busy hour of radio, but I promise you one thing. If I say the phone number out loud, it means I've got phone lines free. Um, and I said it out loud a minute ago, and I'm going to say it out loud again now. 08456060973 is the number to call. What is your mystery? And uh, that's it, really. And We will endeavour to secure an answer for you. The way we do that, of course, I must explain if you're new to the programme. The way we do that, of course, is... Uh, by asking you to ring in if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer. So if you hear somebody ask whether it is astrophysics or uh, cake decorating, if you actually have the knowledge filed away somewhere in your mind that that person is seeking, then please call in with the answer on, on the same number. Texts, emails, tweets, although welcome and often read, don't generally make up a big part of this um, feature for, for what I presume a fairly obvious reasons um at mr james ob if you want to get involved on twitter though is is quite useful generally speaking and what i'll do later i'll link i'll tweet the link to the itunes page so that if you listen for the first time or you've only recently discovered mystery hour you can access completely for free an entire archive of mystery hours on itunes but it, we are nothing without questions so let's get them up first oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three and the only other thing I'd mention, because I mention it every week and feel that I should, is this. Don't look stuff up. There's no point. This is about, it's an odd thing and slightly old-fashioned, but it works and it makes sense. It's a celebration of knowledge, education, illumination. It's about, it's about knowing stuff in the way that we knew stuff before we could just Google it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? It's, it's the pleasure you have in knowing things rather than... I always use the example of my seven-year-old asking me a question, and, and if I know the answer, I feel really chuffed. And it's nice to say, oh, I don't know, darling, let's Google it, or let's bing it. 
But actually, that's nowhere near as satisfying as just knowing and being able to explain it and seeing the enlightenment, the illumination dawn on her little face. So that is what this triar is, a sort of grown-up version of that. Should we go to Isha? That's where Lisa is. Lisa, what's your question? Hi, James. Hi. I would like to know, please, what a decibel is. So I'm going to say it's a unit of sound, and you're going to yeah. say, no, 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 I know that, but... Right. If somebody says to me, that's two pounds of sugar, I can visualise that. Yeah. If somebody says to me, I've, I have to wear earplugs because my husband snores, and my earplugs apparently block out up to 24 decibels. Yes. Well, what is that? Do they work? Does he, do you, do, is he louder than yeah. 24 decibels? Or does no, that... it's fantastic. Yeah. I've had really good night's sleep since I've been using them. What a lovely Brilliant. idea. What is, so what is a decibel? You know it's a unit of sound, but we don't really understand how they can measure it. No, and I don't, I can't, I can't picture it in, not picture no, it I can't either. in mind, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'd like to know what a decibel is, to think, well, is he, is he, is how he many decibels? 20 <laughs> decibels or 10 decibels, I don't know. Oh, I like that. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'm glad you've had deliverance. I bet your mood's improved, hasn't it, since you started oh, it has, getting it? Yes. Yeah. Not Absolutely. that not that there was anything wrong before, Lisa. I, I'm not suggesting that you were. No, it was. To... It was quite awful, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I was sort of suggesting that. I just thought <laughs> I better. Back okay, thank you very well, much. We'll get you an answer. Michael's in Chelmsford. Michael, question or answer? Um, question, James. Yeah. Why, when you see birds sitting in a tree on one side of the road, mm-hmm. they cross to the other side of the road? Do they have to swoop down in front of cars rather than maintain their height and just fly across at a safe height? It seems if they're playing chicken or are they suicidal or what's the reason for it? I can't, can a pigeon play chicken? I've got no idea. I'm trying it's, to find out. It's, yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 I don't know whether or not I should... I'm going to answer this one, all right? Even though people don't like it when I answer too many because I know the answer. And I know the answer because I went to a bird of prey demonstration. Did you ever go to those? No. Well, you should, mate. You should get out more. Well, there must be one near Chelmsford. <laughs> but you know when, like, a falconry exhibition, birds of prey. And he explained, because they fly so low over your head. I think this is the same principle. I'll let you decide whether or not it's a decent answer or not. They fly so so low over your head that they actually warn you. The, 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 the fellow doing the exhibition. I'll tell you where I was. I was at Longleat. I saw it at Longleat. And they warn you especially if you've got children with you, that the birds will come very, very close to your head. They will swoop really, really low, dangerously low, potentially for you as a human, and possibly for them as well, if it's a car that they're sweeping low to. And the reason for that is that they use the objects to disguise themselves from potential predators and to disguise themselves from potential prey. So they can creep up on their prey more easily if they're going between objects or very close to objects, and they can disguise themselves from anything above that might pose a threat more easily as well. That sounds fair enough. Thank you very much. Very plausible. Good work. Of course, we'll probably get some avian expert ringing in to explain why I got that horribly wrong, but I, I will blame it all on the bloke from Longleat. Cathy uh, is in Eastbourne. Cathy, question or answer? Uh, I have a question, please, James. Marvellous. Um, I'm doing some house renovations. Oh, yes. And I have bought an old set of crittle doors, which I should be decorating at the moment, actually. What doors? Um, they're like steel doors, old-fashioned sort of steel patio doors. Oh, yes. So steel-framed with glass in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Got you. So, um, and they're really heavy. Yes. So as I was wandering around the house, I was wondering if the doors are that heavy, how heavy is the rest of my house, like in total? 
we, we'd probably have to take an average or, yeah. uh, rather than a specific unless we sent someone down to Eastbourne <laughs> with a set of scales. So so what are we talking? A three-bedroom yeah, semi? Yeah, three-bedroom detached. detached. Detached is easier to weigh. Yeah, it's not so lopsided, I suppose. <laughs> so three bedrooms, two, 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 two reception rooms and a kitchen? Yes, yeah. So an average three-bedroom house. Yeah, how heavy is it? How much does it weigh? That's a beautiful question. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's absolutely beautiful. I hope uh, how, how, well, I, I, a quantity surveyor might know the answer to that. A bloke who counts all the bricks that you need and all. Well, well, I don't know. Why would I even? I could tell you one thing for certain. That is not a question I will be answering any time soon. Kathy, <laughs> many thanks and good luck with the renovations. How how heavy? Average three bedroom house, detached, not including the garden or any sheds. Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. All the contents of the garage. Uh, birds, we've done. And what is a decibel? In, in a way that we all know what a kilogram is, we know it's a unit of sound, but how, how, what is a decibel? Janice is in Rickmansworth. Um, Janice, question or answer? Question, James. Yes. Why is it that when we're in pain, we clench our eyes shut tight? Wincing. Mm. Why do we wince when we're in pain? I like that. I'm not is it something to do with the ne- nerves? Who, <laughs> who knows, Janice? I've got a bad back, and every time I try to move, I'm... I clench my eyes. No, I know. Shut, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in at, agony. I'm at the age now when I wince a bit every time I get up from a chair after more than five minutes. I do that thing now as well where I go, oh, yes. I know the feeling. So the wince, why do we wince and clench our eyes, sort of screw up our eyes like that when we're in pain? Because it doesn't necessarily make us feel any better or it take the pain know. away. I like that. And it is. It's a reflex action, isn't it? You can't mm. really help it. You don't sort of decide that you're going to have a bit of a wince. No, you don't. It just automatically happens. Janice, I shall do my best. Okay, thank you. No, thank you. 13 after 12. Why do we wince when we're in pain? Does it have any uh, beneficial effect? How heavy is a three-bedroom house? On average, obviously, unless you've weighed your own house, in which case, call me now. And what is a decibel? 0845 is the number to call. Uh, Sue's in Stepney Green. Sue, question or answer? A question, James. Yes. Right, I was reading this morning something that spoke about the four corners of the earth. And yes. I thought, well, the earth is round, so we haven't got any corners. And if it was square, there'd be eight. So what are the four corners? Eight, because it's a cube. Yeah. Yeah. Well... What did if they it used was to... flat, they would have corners. No, I know, but, I, 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 but it's possible the phrase predates the discovery that the Earth was spherical, isn't it? Yeah. So the four corners of the Earth was presumably a figure of speech coined in the times when we believed the Earth was flat. But they must have thought there was something there. Where? And what were they? Oh, hang on, you can't have two questions. <laughs> You said Sorry. if the world is round, how do we talk about the four corners? And I'm suggesting that the phrase was coined before we knew the world was round, which is the answer to your question. Oh. Isn't it? Glad, so there isn't anything in the four corners. Well, no, 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 no. That, that's for next week now, Sue. Oh, okay. You can't be just because just I shoot that one down so simply. You can't then be <laughs> banging back with another one, you know. It doesn't work like that. There's, there's people queuing right, up so to I'll get I'll next week with what's in the four corners before they found it was round. Yes, I can't wait. All right. Speak soon, James. Thank you, Sue. People okay, listening thanks. to this on podcast, just just download the next one and you'll get Sue's next question from next week. Unless, of course, it's now last week, in which case, ignore what I just said. It's 12.15. J. Louise Knight is in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. Thank you. 
It's 19 minutes after 12. You're listening to LBC 97.3. I'll just take care of a little bit of business on Twitter. Simon uh, has tweeted to, to point out with some very nice compliments, Simon, that modesty prevents me from repeating. But uh, you're quite right. I missed out on my round of applause for the last question. Jones, the engineer, who often sits in judgment on these matters, is not convinced that my four corners of the earth question was in fact comprehensive and or definitive. So why, why do we talk about the four corners of the earth? Okay, I will. I'll put that on hold. Yeah, I will leave that question on the on the board. And uh, and a tweet that made me chuckle the most probably during that travel break from a uh, re- writer, television presenter, restaurant critic ex- extraordinaire Giles Corrin, who tweeted at Mr. James Abbey to say, "Can you shout, please? I'm in a boiling minicab, and the guy's got you on classic minicab, barely audible chunter volume." I, I, Giles, I, I, I'll try. Twenty minutes after twelve, Brian's in Farnham. Brian, question or answer? Uh, answer. Go on. The, the uh, decibel question. Oh, how apposite. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it, it's, it's not actually a measurement of sound at all. It's a measurement of a ratio between either two voltages or two powers. Hey. So, if you... Um, it's one power or one sound level or one voltage relative to another. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I think I'm more confused now than I was before you started talking. Okay, it's 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 logarithmic, which doesn't help. It's what? Logarithmic. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because that doesn't help. The way you hear things is is not quite not linear. But um, if if you have one volt and you have, it just happens to work out. If you have one volt and a 10 dB gain, you end up with 10 volts. If you have 20 dB of gain, you end up with 100 volts. If you... But what's a dB? A dB is a measurement of a ratio between the two voltages, or between the two powers. Listen, here's what I'm going to do, all right? Yep. I'm going to give you a round of applause, because I think you're probably right. But I'm going to have to leave the question on the board, because with the greatest of respect, you might as well be talking Chinese. (laughs) I'm not very good at Mandarin, though. (laughs) You don't need to worry about that. Here's a logarithmic round of applause for you, Brian. Just what I always wanted. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to stay with that, though, I think. We're not crossing that one off the list yet. Tony's in Rygate. Tony, question or answer? Uh, Answer. Come on, then. The decibel one again. Um, A a little bit more of a simplistic um, explanation. Yeah, but it'd it'd be hard not to, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Um... Basically, the logarithmic thing's right, but a simple way of explaining that is for every three decibels of sound level increases, it actually increases ten times. So something that's three decibels louder will be ten times louder. But what's one decibel? One decibel would be something virtually inaudible. Twenty decibels would probably be about the uh, level of your TV on when you watch TV at night. But how do they measure it? How do they measure a decibel? I don't know how they measure it. I don't know how the same thing with any unit and measure. Is this, uh, this going to turn into one of those questions that we could stay with for like six days without achieving resolution? There must be somewhere between you and Brian. There must be a middle ground on this. 
No, Tony. Pop, pop, popular though, mystery hour is. I might have to give you that, mate. We're now yeah. going to spend six days trying to work out what a decibel is. Um, I don't know if I can give you a round of applause. I only gave Brian his out of politeness, but he blinded me with science, and and you've actually uttered the phrase "I don't know" a couple of times in the course of this conversation. Yeah, I do that often, James. I'm afraid. Well, you and me both, and I'm adding something else to the list. I don't know now. I.e., what a decibel is. Jeff's in Yule. Jeff, question or answer? Yeah, hi, James. The question: um, Why is it that uh, when you drop a milk bottle or a bottle of empty uh, a bottle of wine, that uh, it will bounce first before it actually smashes on the floor? Now, I had an answer to this about twenty-five years ago, um, and I can't remember what the answer was. But um, a couple of days ago, I was taking some uh, empty bottles out. I've done it at home, and again, it bounced on the floor, and then it uh, it smashed. Now, obviously, if it's dropped from a considerable height then that won't be the case, but if you're just generally sort of just dropping it from... And we're all, we're all familiar with that. Glasses as well, the bounce and then the smash. Yeah, but why, Sometimes why a couple of bounces, even. Uh, yeah, sometimes a couple of bounces. You think, oh, it's not going to break, and then on third or second or third one, it will just smash. Not always. Occasionally it might not break at all, and you thank your lucky star. So really the question is, how come it will bounce or yeah, break? Yeah, I mean, does it uh, build up something? Uh, maybe it's a, 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 an answer, uh, a question for someone who's in a sort of, uh, you know, got that sort of background of knowledge. But, well, um, like a drunk. Probably me, actually. Um, no, on a serious note, um, just, <laughs> just, just, just an unusual thing to see it happen on more often than not, it will just... Yeah, no, I know. Everyone will recognise this if they've got a tiled floor in the kitchen or, or yeah. you get that dreadful bounce and you try and... Do you do that thing? I do this thing. I try and use my foot then to stop it from... And it's, it's, on one occasion, I kicked it through the patio doors. Yeah. Uh, Magnus, I think it's Magnus Pike, many years ago, I think it was him, on yes. one of these programmes, he actually asked the question, but I was a young kid at the time. Magnus know. Pike is the patron saint of Mystery Hour. Yeah, so it, he did give an answer, but it was a long time ago. So it'd be interesting whether one of your calls would come and give an answer to that question. I shall find out for you, Jeff. It's 25 after 12. The bouncing bottle conundrum. The four corners of the earth. A lot of people suggesting compass points might be involved. I need a definitive answer, which means I'll say, what are your qualifications? And you'll say, I know this is true because. Why do we wince when we're in pain? And as a couple of people have pointed out in, in tweets to at Mr. James O.B. or text to 84850, uh, Susie in Epsom puts it best. I also wince when I see someone else in pain. She doesn't add, so I will. What's that about? I, 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 if Jones the engineer falls over, I laugh. But generally, whenever anybody else finds themselves in enormous pain, I will wince with them. Sort of sympathetic. Oh, dear. Think about men. You see someone get hit in the bananas, you're going to wince. You're going to cross your legs and you're going to wince. Oh, oh what, what, why? Tony's in Chertsey. Tony, question or answer? It's uh, a question, Jones. Yes, Tony. And I, you might like this, and may even be able to answer it. Go on, then. Um, the question is, um, what's the origin of the phrase, if you build it, they will come? I, the, the, the slogan, such as it is, of this programme, you mean? Yes. Yes. Now, it's also been co-opted by the RSPB lately. Have you noticed that? No. The RSPB have got a whole range of adverts running. I think they're presumably designed to encourage birds to come into your garden, which is a good thing. But they also have the slogan, if you build it, they will come. I, right. I can obviously answer this definitively, but qualifications, oh, it's because it's my catchphrase. And, yeah. and it comes from the Kevin Costner film, Field of Dreams, when oh. he is visited by a dead baseball player, the ghost of a dead baseball player, and urged to build a baseball field in his cornfield. He's a corn farmer. He's a farmer in rural America. And, and they say, if you build this, this baseball field in the middle of nowhere, the ghosts of all these amazing dead baseball players will turn up and play. Oh, 
superb, superb. And, and I think right. it, it, they say if you build it, he will come, because there's one ultimate hero of baseball that he's keen right. to have in his cornfield, but I have co-opted that and, and, and transformed it into if you build it, they will come. I'll go on a little longer, if you don't mind, because people may want to know why that is the catchphrase of the programme, because we generally eschew the tradition on radio phone-ins of booking a bunch of self-appointed experts and journalists and believe instead that by throwing up the phone lines with a little bit of bravery and an awful lot of confidence, you'll find people who know more about the issue under discussion than whoever's tarting themselves around the studios of London offering a, quote, expert view, Tony. And don't ignore the producers, of course, as well, James. They play an important part throughout it. On other shows, they do, Tony. You're quite right. <laughs> well, yeah, here's, your, yeah. here's, here's my round of applause, which you're more than welcome to, to, to have a little feel of. Oh, right, okay. Harvey's in Loughton. Question or answer, Harvey? It's an answer to the uh, four corners of the earth. Yes. Uh, basically, in times, many times gone by, many years, armies and navies, navies when they were consulting maps uh, for attacks on any countries, the maps were flat. Uh, this was before uh, the discovery. <laughs> no, but what I mean is before the discovery of globes and yes. before the discovery that we knew the world was round. Pre-Galileo. Uh, and, yeah, precisely. Was it him or Copernicus, so, someone like that? Sorry? I can't remember who it was. It was someone like that. Copernicus or Galileo or something. Copernicus, like yeah, Galileo. Okay, so basically, uh, when they looked at these maps and decided where they were going to attack, it was the four corners of the earth. Quite simple. Yeah, well, do you want the good news or the bad news? Um, well, let's have the bad news first. That's what I said. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, it's uh, when I switched on the radio, so you're as clever as me, that's brilliant. Well, no, we could both be wrong. Uh, no, we're not wrong. Well, that was the good news. <laughs> OK, no, but surely it was that before we, we knew the Earth was round. Um, it well, was this is what I said, and I, I expected yeah. to go definitive and get a round of applause for that, but my colleague and friend Jones the Engineer said that it was not a definitive answer, so quite why you've been put through to repeat it is... is it was, it was the, it was well, I don't know. Maybe your uh, your round of applause should be now, and it should be for both of us. Well, I, I think we'll share it. And, and of course, if we wanted okay. to, if we wanted to, uh, if we wanted to apply a patina of of academia to our answer, we'd yes. point out stuff like Mappa Mundi, wouldn't we, and Ptolemy, and some of the earliest cartographers yes. known to man. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's just but, share it. You know, that, that is it's quite a simple answer. Yeah, I know, I, I, I know that. Right. I, yes, I, I, they're the ones I specialise my specialised subject if I ever go on Mastermind. Simple stuff. Tarvi, let's have half each. Half for half and half for me. It's LBC 97.3. The time right now is 12.30. This is London's biggest conversation with James O'Brien. 33 minutes after 12, you're listening to LBC 97.3. Mystery Air is underway. I, I'm going to have one more go. Don't ring in about the decibel question. I'm uh, going to have one more go at it, and, uh, and, and after that, then I'm going to knock it on the head, otherwise we'll be here all day. What is a decibel? Almost impossible to provide an easily comprehensible answer to that. I think Brian nailed it, but we didn't understand what he was talking about because he was a bit of a boffin. How heavy is the average three-bedroom house? What's the relationship between pain and wincing? Bearing in mind, of course, that you sometimes wince when you see someone else in pain. Uh, gone definitive now on four corners of the earth. Why, why do bottles bounce before they break? How, how, what is the physics of that process? We've all seen it in action. 0845 Three is the number to call. Uh, Tony's at Heathrow. Tony, question or answer? Hi, James. You're right. Yeah, fine, thanks, Tony. What's on your mind? 
good, good. This is uh, this is this is all derived from my, my myself and my brother's um, little mini mystery hours we played together. But um, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> it must used to be happening all over London, of course. Uh, yes, I hope so. Oh, kind yeah, of. Absolutely. Uh, your just to establish a fact: your fingernail yeah. will grow from the base of the of, of the nail of the finger, wouldn't it? Not from the end. Yeah, yeah. It's pushing up so, from the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. But that is in turn attached to the flesh underneath your thing- fingernail. Is it? So yeah. why don't you get? Yeah, you can't pull your fingernail off your off your finger, can you? Not, well, well, not it can, but it hurts. Yeah. So yeah. So why doesn't it hurt when it grows up? Increments. It, well, it could be, could be osmosis. No, it's not. It's definitely. Oh, hang on, what's happened to the alarm? Oh no, you misused the yeah. word, so the alarm didn't go off. <laughs> the, it, it's it's growing so slowly. If you did this, you're quite right. If you ripped it out with pliers, it would really hurt, and yet that would be yeah. the same physical process as it growing. But it happens so so slowly that it just doesn't register as painful. That's what I was thinking. But I just thought. Otherwise, your head would it. hurt because your hair's growing all the time. Well, your hair's growing. But it's growing through follicles, which aren't attached to any nerve. Uh, okay, clever clogs. Pull out a big clump of hair now. <laughs> Well, a big clump of hair, if you pull it I'll out. I pull yeah. out one hair, then, from your nose. I'll do that quite regularly. And does it hurt? <laughs> oh, come on. No, you, there's yeah. facetious and there's facetious. Does it hurt when you pull one of those long, dangly <laughs> yes, hairs? Yes. Yes, you get, a tiny, you get a tiny pain prick. Sometimes yes. it makes your eyes water. It depends how big the hair is and how hard you have to tug. But there you go. Yeah. So they should all hurt. And the reason that they don't is that it's happening so incrementally slowly... That it doesn't hit your pain receptors. Ah, oh, fair enough. How many, how many rounds of applause have you got now, anyway? I don't know, mate, but I'll tell you what, I could be heading for some sort of world record. Uh, and I t- I t- it's only a couple of weeks since I beat my friend Luke 17-3 at FIFA 13 to get a world record there as well. It's just, I, I feel like Mo Farah at the moment. Kevin is in Epping. Kevin, question or answer? I've got an answer for you, James. Go on, then. It's the milk bottle question. Oh, yes. Why, why do bottles bounce and then break? Generally, when they hit the ground... They would be hitting it at the bottom of the bottle, where the edge of the bottom meets the bottom of the bottle on that's the corner. Very true, because, and then because that's heavier that as well, so it'll turn around often to, to the heaviest bit will hit the bottom first. That's it, and then it bounces and breaks, and that's it all over the floor then. So it bounces and then lands on the side, or lands on a bit that's not thick, and it's more likely to break. That's it, it's the weak point, and then it smashes. So jars, bottles, particularly wine bottles and milk bottles because of their shape. Yep, especially Quali- milk bottles. Qualifications, Kevin? Uh, Kevin the Milkman here, 35 years of chopping milk bottles out on the round. <laughs> and and uh, if you had to put a rough estimate on what percentage of dropped bottles bounce, where, what, what would you go for? Um, I'd say that 80-90%. 80 to 90 percent. Wow. But like you, I do try and get my foot under them first. Oh, you should, it never works, does it? And then the problem is it does occasionally, and that makes you feel like a superhero. Hurts. It hurts, but you also go, wow, wow, look at those <laughs> reflexes. Eat your heart out, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, oh, gonna, then, it ba- then it drops off your shoe and, bounce, and falls on the floor and breaks anyway. I, well, I did once kick it through a patio door going back many, many, it wasn't my house, going back many, many years. Less said about that, the better. Would you like a round of applause, Kevin? I'd love it. That's my second round of applause, man. No one likes to show off. How's <laughs> in Brighton? See, you see what you did there, Kevin. Boasting about, come back, Kevin. Come back, Kevin. See what boasting about? How many rounds of applause? Uh, t- two in eight years. Yeah, Professor Howell's in Brighton. Professor Howell, roughly how many rounds of applause have you had on uh, Mystery Hour? Do you think? James, I wouldn't like to say. I'd like to be more modest about. Yeah, but ballpark. I don't know, Fifteen, twenty. Yeah, see, Kevin, that was bound to happen, mate. Oh, Take it from a lifelong show-off. It always backfires. Uh, professor Hall is the Professor of Public Understanding uh, of Science at the University of Brighton and uh, Mystery Hour Regular, as you've just established. What have you got for us, Professor Hall? 
Um, might I contribute to the discussion about decibels? Yes, please. Okay. I mean, in um, a way, this is this is your bread and butter. This is why you exist professionally to be able to explain to numpties something that's quite complicated, scientifically speaking. Well, there, there are no numpties. It's basically it's, it's my my yeah my job, and I can't believe I get paid to do it. I'm, no, I love it so much. Can we just um, draw a parallel between sound waves and water waves because they're almost identical? That you imagine waves on the sea; they have a, that sort of wavy shape. Yes. Um, big waves are taller and deeper. They have the big peaks and the big troughs. And smaller waves have smaller peaks and smaller troughs. And so it is with sound. And the loudness of sound is dictated by how high the wave is. So imagine you have a high sea wave. That would be equivalent to a loud sound. And they are measured in decibels. And what some of the contributors were saying to you earlier on about logarithmic scales, what they were trying to say is that if you imagine a sound of 10 decibels, yes. um, and then you might compare it with the sound of 20 decibels, um, we might think that 20 decibels is twice as loud as 10 decibels. Yes. It's not. It's 100 times louder. 30 decibels is 1,000 times louder. And the reason we use a scale like the decibels is because there is such a huge spectrum of sound. So, for example, zero decibels is, is silent, and um, perhaps 120 decibels is an aircraft taking off. Yes. An aircraft taking off is actually about a billion times louder than a pin dropping. Yes. But we can't really use figures like a billion, because it's, it's difficult for us to comprehend. So they use a logarithmic scale, which is powers of 10, in order to condense uh, it yes. so we can tell the difference between 0 and 120 decibels. And it's measured by a decibel meter, which is like a reverse microphone. As the sound waves hit the microphone, which has a very thin membrane, the membrane vibrates in sympathy with the sound waves, and that vibration is turned into a current, which clearly increases as the membrane vibrates, and that's equated to a to a number we call a decibel. Um, a decibel is a, a, it's a, t- it's a tenth of a, a bell, which is um, named after Alexander Graham Bell, if I recall correctly. Are you sure about that last bit? That almost sounds too good to be true. Well, it, the, the spelling's different, because it's one, Wait, one it bell in be. a bell, and two bells in Alexander Graham Bell. Yes. But Dr. Roger Bolton, when I was at Royal Holloway College, told us about this in um, one of our pollution lectures, and um, I've never forgotten it. So. And there you go. And that's why you are where you are today. Yeah, it's all down to him. He was uh, in Brighton. Uh, a <laughs> Professor Hal here. I reckon it's more. You were being modest. This must be. You must be in your twenties at least by now. Um. At least, says the producer. Professor Hal, many thanks. John's in Billericay. John, question or answer? A uh, question, please, James. Come on, John. Why, <laughs> why does salt melt ice? Can I have a crack at this, or have you, have, do you think, John? I'll ask you actually, because I never get a straight answer from my so-called colleagues. <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been overdoing it a bit today. I've been a little bit, look at me, look at me, look at me, haven't I? <laughs> no, no, not at all, James. So no, you're not Steve Allen, you, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want me to have a crack at this, or do you want me to leave it for a proper expert? Uh, no, go on, you can have a go, as well, I'm a fan. It, it, it's simple, <laughs> really. It's the chemical composition of salt water being different from the chemical composition of water, and salt water has a lower freezing point than water. Just in the same way that mercury has a different freezing and boiling point from water, they're two different chemicals. Um, no, I'm not happy with that. What? <laughs> How can you not be happy with that? Is Professor Hal still there? No, he's gone. Rats. We should have kept him hanging around. All right. Well, it's your no. It's your prerogative. Why? Why does salt melt ice? Uh, did the fingernails, did if you build it they will come we've done the bouncing bottle, what's the relationship between pain and wincing and how heavy is the average three bedroom house, it means we've got room for some more questions, uh, Ron's in Hertfordshire, Ron question or answer? It's a question please James. Yes Ron. Right 
supposing I lose something like a ring... Hang on, hang on, I'm just trying to suppose that. Suppose it, please. Wait, just wait. You got it. You've lost the ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you now. Okay, you've lost the ring. Okay, wedding ring. A wedding ring. ring. I'm getting a wedding ring. I don't know why. Right, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, all right. So, you claim off the insurance company and you get paid out. Yeah. Six months later, you find the wedding ring. Yeah. Who owns it? You or the insurance company? Blimey. That's a great question. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, you don't I, I bet you it. don't get a round of applause for this one. Well, I'm pretty confident the insurance company own it, but whether or not they're... I mean, I pr- presume you're legally bound. We just need someone who's, who... It, the only answer we're going to accept is either from someone who sells insurance or someone to whom this has happened. Yes. All right, Ron. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Ron. Thank I li- you. I like that question. I had a slightly unpleasant experience with Mrs. O'Brien a couple of years ago when we did indeed go through this process, and, and she found the... Uh, apparently missing items about two days before the cheque was due to arrive from the insurance company. One of the myriad reasons why I married Mrs O'Brien is her unerring honesty, and we contacted the insurance company immediately and told them to keep their money. Camille is in Dorking. Camille, question or answer? I have an answer for you, James. Um, First time caller, please be gentle with me. Is it it Camille as in Camille Paglia? Um, I wouldn't know. (laughs) C-A-M-I-L-L-E. Probably. It's your name. Is it C A M I L L E? That's right. Guess, yeah. guess, how, guess how my colleague spelt it. I have no idea. K A M E A L. That's fantastic. It sounds like a sort of diet product. A K A. <laughs> sorry, carry on, Camille. What would you, what was I, your... My answer is to the question why we wince when somebody else winces. Yes. That is because we have what we call mirror neurons in us. Oh, yeah. Um, and when we see somebody expressing virtually any type of emotion, our mirror neurons sort of resonate, and we experience a smaller version of the, expre- the emotion that they are expressing. Fair enough. Uh, qualifications? I have a degree in psychology. I'm a counsellor, and I keep up with all the modern research, neuroscience. Do you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> Probably the good news. Good news is I think you're right. <laughs> Bad news? That's not actually the question we were asking. No, I know, but you asked it as a supplementary <laughs> question. You can't answer the supplementary. I always get at least half a round of applause. Do you think so? You can't <laughs> answer the so. supplementary before you've gone in all in on the main question, can you? <laughs> well, that's Do you know why we win, period, why we win full stop? No, not, no. Not, I, have, I have an idea, but I couldn't go definitive on it. Well, in, in return for that honesty, I'm going to not give you half a round of applause. I'm going to give you a whole one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Camille. It's 12.45. Jones, the engineer, haven't you got a degree in psychology? Yeah. Yeah. Since when did we start taking that as a qualification for anything? It's 12.49. It's LBC 97.3. Few questions that still need answers. I mean, I think we know the answers to these, but they weren't accepted at the time by the questioners. Uh, why does salt melt ice? And if you claim for something on insurance and subsequently find it, or the police find it, what happens? Obviously, it belongs to the insurance company, doesn't it, if they've paid out? But I'd love to know what actually happened to you. There was a violinist recently who had her violin stolen at a railway station, and it turned up didn't it? She, she'd been paid for that violin and, and I think is now negotiating with the insurance company for its return. But, it, uh, sorry to bore you, but I don't think she owned the violin herself, did she? It was, it was owned by a, what are they called? Like professional do-gooders? A benefactor, yes. And Because and, uh, it's about a million quid of Stradivarius these days, between friends. 
Back to mystery, huh? Julian's in Putney. Julian, question or answer? It's a question, James. Marvellous. And this comes courtesy of my beloved son, who's currently travelling in Vietnam with some friends, and they've okay. probably seen some chickens on their travels, and strange things happening to chickens, but his question is... Uh, <laughs> Steady on, Julian. I'm, I'm familiar with the, these clubs in Southeast Asia to which you refer, <laughs> but I've never encountered the chicken Not element. Those. It was ping-pong balls last time I checked. Carry on. <laughs> and that as well, yes. Um, yeah, his, his question is, chickens essentially don't fly, right? Yeah. And yet, when they're on the ground, sometimes they sort of make as if to use their wings to perhaps jump over something or get a little bit of uh, yeah, lift. Uh, off the ground. And yet, his question essentially is, if a chicken fell off a roof, would it survive? Would it, would it be able to fly? Well, the, the, I, I mean, no is the answer. I keep chickens and, and I clip their wings. Ah, so that's why right. they, they can't go far. But also, I think of the rooks, or the ravens, rather, at the Tower of London, which I think have also had their wings clipped. So they can hop higher, so they can get a little bit of lift with a clipped wing, but not enough, yeah, for example, yeah. to clear a six-foot fence. With an unclipped wing, they could probably just about get on top of a six-foot fence, but they wouldn't really be able to fly unaided over it. Do you see what I mean? I do. It would be a sad end, then, I think. For, for the chicken. I mean, that, that is yeah. the thing. If you don't clip their wings... They can fly, or they can jump, aided jumping higher than they can, but they're never going to be able to just sort of fly away, I don't think. So over evolution, in evolutionary terms, the chicken's wings haven't just become stunted naturally. They still have to be clipped or... Yeah, I would just, but again, I presume in evolutionary terms, it's been bred out of them, the ability to fly, because from a farming point of view, it would be far from helpful, mm. wouldn't it? But you have to, you have to clip yeah. them in order just... To be safe, it's not it's not the end yeah. of the world if you don't. But the, it's, a, it's quite a grisly job. But there's no nerve endings in feathers at all. But it's still a little bit weird to take a pair of kitchen scissors to a living creature. Oh, I couldn't do it, James. I'm yes, a vegetarian. You, no, I couldn't do it. You, you don't have to be a vegetarian to cut a chicken. You cut your hair, don't you, Julian? Without doesn't make you a cannibal. Ah, uh, this is true. Well, that's it's a true. powerful. Oh, write that down. <laughs> Round of applause for me. Qualifications. I keep chickens. Thank you, Julian. It's a nice question, that. All the way from Vietnam. Teresa's in Blackheath. Teresa, question or answer? A uh, question. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's actually my daughter's question. She's okay. doing a little bit of grammar at school at the moment. Mm. And she wants to know why she has a teddy bear, an umbrella, but a unicorn when it's supposed to be an... With a what are, what are the rules for that? Because I'm a bit of a grammar pedant, Teresa, between you and me. I, ne I never let it come really? out on air. I, know I never let it sort of emerge on air. But that is one of the chinks in the armour of my pedantry. I'm never quite sure when it should be a, and when it should be an. It's a when it starts with a consonant, and an when it begins with a vowel. But unicorns... Yeah, but then what about be... H's? Silent consonants. I don't know about that. A husband. An husband or a husband? Husband. Well, that's, yeah, it's not it's very silent, isn't it? it? It's a, yeah, but it's, it's not a plosive. Are you sure is that simple? Uh, well... A union? A union or an union? Oh, another exception. A union? Well, hang on, you can't say another exception. At what <laughs> point, when I keep giving you another exception, do they cease to be exceptions and instead become proof that there aren't any rules? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. I, I like that question a lot. How old's your daughter? She's nine. Just checking. I'd be worried if she was younger than mine because now that term has started again, it's time to get the competitive parent hat back on. I said, what do you mean she's studying such matters already? Mine's still doing Peter and Jane books. Pat's in Godalming. Pat, question or answer? It's an answer, James, which, oddly enough, you just answered yourself. 
Uh, oh. But one with the chicken feathers. <laughs> yes. It's to do with nails. And the reason why it doesn't hurt when you cut your nails or pull them um, is because they're dead, it's, like chicken Pat, feathers. Pat, this isn't your fault. I'm just going to go off-piste for a moment. Because it's the second question. It's the second person who's been put through answering a question that hasn't been asked. Quick, the, quick, the question wasn't why doesn't it hurt when you, when you cut your nails. The question was why doesn't it hurt when they grow? Given that it hurts, because, if well, you, the, you pull them out with pliers, that's like a, an accelerated process of it growing. Why doesn't it hurt while they're actually growing? No, it doesn't. Because it isn't because when you pull them, you're pulling out from the cuticle, so you, you're pulling out the base, the bulb, as it were. Yes. And that's what hurts because they're attached to nerves. Same with that. Whereas hair. when it grows, you're not. And the same with hair. Because it's growing up slowly, you're not detaching it from anything as it grows. Yeah. You've just got the pushing up of dead material. So, so my answer was, because it grows so incrementally, you're not going to register any pain anywhere. Isn't right, whereas the feathers is right when you clip well, the feathers. You just said yourself they grow so slowly. I know, uh, but it's, 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 it's not the growing, it's the pushing up of dead material. No, no it's not, though, is it? Because you... You, it hurts when I pull my hair. I don't have to pull it out, it hurts when I pull it. Because you are, you are tugging at, you're actually tugging at the nerves at that point. And the, but when it grows, it's pushing instead of pulling it's, from the nerve. No, I mean, the, but there isn't because, as you said, I mean, if you want then <laughs> to be pedantic, if you want then to start to have the fact say, that don't say so pedantic no like that, as if there's something wrong with it, Pat. It's, goodness <laughs> I know, me. I know. I'm going to give, I'm gonna give you a round of applause, okay? Because I like you. Thank you very much. You're very and because you're right. And because you're right. Williams in Hamwell. Question or answer, William? Um, answer. Come on then. It's the um, insurance one. Yes. Um, the reason the ring would belong to the insurance company because um, there's a principle of indemnity insurance, which means that if you you can't be left in a better financial position than you were at the outset. So if, if they paid out a claim and then you were you recovered your ring and then sold it, you you, you would have made effectively double gain on your ring. Yes. So um, because of that, the insurance um, policy will have a clause that's called subrogation. Which will mean that you uh, the the legal rights to the ownership of the ring belong to the um, insurance company. I, uh, I I presume from your answer that you work in the industry. I do, yeah. How often do people? Because I, I mean I'm quite honest, but I could conceive if it was like five years later and you found it when you were digging the garden, it would be tempting, wouldn't it? Just to say, oh, nothing, no one's got. I mean, how often do people come back and say, oh, guess what? It's turned up. Not very often. But um, there's people inside the industry that investigate these things. But I suppose for a but wedding ring... They're looking ring, for fraud rather than for luck, aren't they? Um, the yeah, I, su- I suppose so. I mean, where it happens a lot is in the car industry. Because if, if you have an accident and the, and the insurer kind of pays out your, your claim yeah. and gives you a new car, then they have the rights to your old car and they'll sell that on to, to a you know, junkyard or whatever it may be. And I, I, I had a car nicked a few years ago, which wasn't actually mine, rather embarrassingly. And I got a phone call about nine months later by accident saying it had turned up. And that would now belong to the insurance company rather than the... It was Vauxhall, actually, that, that, that it belonged to when, I, when it was nicked from outside my house. Yeah, I suspect so if they paid out the claim, yeah. They must have done. Uh, it's, it, it's a bit of a no-brainer, this, but you can see why people... Why the question are puzzled over it, because you do sort of hear it. I wonder if he'd found something. Do you think... I mean, you're probably better trained than I am in picking up on vo- vo- voice patterns and things. Does he sound like someone contemplating fraud to you, William? Yeah, he's probably asked this question because he's um, lost something very valuable and then found it again. I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> William, you get a round of applause. Oh, yeah, we've done the qualifications. Here you go. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Emma is in Ealing. Emma, question or answer? Um, answer, I, I think. I hope so. Well, I, I answer, but I don't know if it's right. Oh. 
Um, let's start. Let's start again with a bit more confidence. Emma, question or answer? It's an answer. Marvelous. Bring it on. Definitive. Yes. Okay. It's um to the an, an unicorn or a unicorn. Yeah. And uh, well, I presume it's just because of the phonetic sound of the of the ah uh, is not of the u. It's, it's, it's u as in yellow, as in not in ah uh, as in umbrella. So you don't have an yellow book. You have a yellow book. Or you have an orange book because it's off. Uh, which makes unicorn so, and union not two exceptions, but the same exception or the same principle. Yeah. Qualifications, yeah, Emma? Union. Um, uh, a mum who has children learning phonics at school. I, I was going to say that description of union being more like yellow. And there's a round of applause because we're out of time. Where did it go? Don't forget you can download this and all other Mystery Hours at iTunes now and every LBC programme at lbc.co.uk. In the meantime, here's another one presented by Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed, James. Yes, coming up after the one o'clock news, we'll be talking to the teaching unions about the planned teacher strike. Oh, yes, kids have only just gone back to school, most of them yesterday. But in a few weeks' time, teachers will be off on strike over their...